Thank you, Dylan. We at First Church welcome our guests, visitors, and radio listeners to our worship service this morning. For those of you listening on the radio, we have a small group of people here worshiping in the sanctuary, along with the choir to be a part of our time as we praise, pray, and study the word of our Lord Jesus. This is an uncertain period that we are entering and enduring in our land and world. We pray that this health pandemic passes quickly without much sickness and loss and allows us to get back to some normalcy in our daily life soon. As it says in many passages throughout the Bible, we should be at peace for God is in control. Again, thank you, Dylan, for being here today and being a part of our worship service. A few items to note this week. We will not have nursery service, Sunday school, confirmation, or greeting time for the next three weeks. The Tuesday morning Bible study group will not meet for the next several weeks. Our gifts and offerings today will be taken at the doors as you leave this morning instead of during our service. And sadly, the last two weeks of Wonderful Wednesdays have been canceled. And now Pastor Joel, I believe, has a message, a a thought to share with us. Good morning. Um, Things have certainly changed a lot in the last couple days, haven't they? Um, I just want to let you know that the decisions that we are making as as a church, uh, the decisions to uh, that Brian just shared with you about canceling Sunday school and wonderful Wednesdays are not decisions that we took lightly, of course. Um, it's very strange. It's, we're kind of in unprecedented territory here, and, and we made decisions that we thought were best uh, for the health and, and, and safety of, of our church and the community, and, and we do so out of an abundance of love for you. Um, we don't want to put our Sunday school teachers, put our wonderful Wednesday helpers, uh, the kids that would be a part of that, um, at risk of unnecessary exposure uh, to the coronavirus. And so uh, we're doing these things out of an abundance of caution and trying to be careful and, and be, uh, uh, be, uh, make decisions that are best for, for all of us as a church. Uh, but, of course, that doesn't stop us from worshiping the Lord either. Um, I encourage you to take these next couple of weeks, however much time this is going to be, um, and, and as your life is disrupted in whatever way that, that looks like for you, whether it's kids home from school or uh, work is being disrupted for you, or just the normal rhythm of church and everything is, is changed, I just want to encourage you to take this time to pray. Take this time to pray not only for uh, those that are sick and affected by the virus, but all those that are, that are on the front lines, our health care workers, our, our local, state, and national leaders, all those that are um, making decisions. Um, we just encourage you to pray for them as well. Um, we hope that this is something that passes quickly, but we just, at this point, don't know how long this is going to last. And so um, we're going to try to make decisions that are best for us as a church and do so um, in a way that is, is faithful to our Lord and, and honors God. And so that's what we're doing. Um, just be, be aware that, you know, as, as you saw these last few days, uh, things change by the hour sometimes. And so uh, we'll continue to reevaluate the situation and make decisions uh, going forward. And we'll do our best to communicate those things through our church website, our Facebook page, as well as mailings and, and other things like that. Um, if you do have any questions or concerns, please reach out to the church office. Contact us through our, our, uh, our website. Uh, for those that are listening on the radio, we are at firstchurchnk.org. 
and of course our Facebook page. Please reach out and let us know how we can not only uh, answer your questions, but how we can be a help, how we can pray for you and those sorts of things too. Thank you. Please rise and join me in the call to worship. These, these words of reassurance come from Psalm 121. I lift up my eyes to the mountains. Where does my help come from? My help comes from the Lord, the maker of heaven and earth. He will not let your foot slip. He who watches over you will not slumber. Indeed, he who watches over Israel will neither slumber nor sleep. The Lord watches over you. The Lord is your shade at your right hand. The sun will not harm you by day, nor the moon by night. The Lord will keep you from all harm. He will watch over your life. The Lord will watch over your comings and goings, both now and forevermore. And now we'll have our praise song, How Deep the Father's Love for Us.
while the children come forward for children's chat. Benjamin, how are you doing? Oh, man. Well, we don't have a whole lot of kids here with us this morning, but we do have, I'm hoping, plenty listening to us on the radio this morning. Today, we're going to be talking about a pretty interesting story. It's from Mark chapter 6. It's the story of Jesus walking on water. Is that something you guys can do? No? Have you ever walked on water before? No, that's pretty amazing. You tried? Oh, <laughs> For like a split second and then right underneath, huh? Well, the story we're going to read in Mark is a little, there's actually found in the Gospel of Matthew too. And there's one really interesting difference between the stories. In the Gospel of Mark, the passage we're going to look at talks about Jesus walking on water and walking out to the disciples on the boat. Um, but in the story in Matthew, there's somebody else who walks on water. Do you know who that is? Peter, Peter that's right. One of the disciples. When he sees Jesus walking on the water, he says, Lord, let me come out and, and walk on the water too, if that's really you. And so Jesus says, yeah, Peter, come out on the boat. And for a split second, probably longer than you, Reagan, Peter walked on water while he had his eyes focused on Jesus. But when he was out there in the water, the wind and the waves it kind of scared him a little bit. They distracted him and, and he took his eyes off Jesus. And what happened in that moment? He sank, that's right. The moment he took his eyes off of Jesus, he began to fall under the water. It's an important lesson there. It's an important lesson that no matter what is going on in the world around us, no matter how scary it may be or what distractions we may have, it's important for us to keep our eyes on Jesus and keep our focus on him. But even if we get distracted, even if we get scared sometimes and we begin to sink, we know that Jesus is right there for us because in that moment, as Peter began to fall under the water, he called out and Jesus grabbed him by the hand and saved him. You know, even as we get distracted and even as we take our eyes off of Jesus, we know that Jesus is still there watching over us and will keep us safe and protect us. That's important, especially at a time like this. Let's take a moment and pray together. Father God, I thank you so much for these children and thank you, Lord, for the lesson of, of uh, Peter stepping out in faith onto the water. Lord, help us to, um, like Peter, keep our eyes on you. And, and no matter what is happening in the world around us, no matter what distractions or fears may, may creep up in our minds, Lord, help us to keep our focus on you. And Lord, we thank you that even in those times when we don't, even in those times when, when our eyes do look at the waves and the wind around us and we begin to sink, you are there to pull us up and to help us. We thank you for this in Jesus' name. Amen. Thanks, guys. You can go sit down. All right. Let's pray together this morning. This is a, a, President Trump has declared this a national day of prayer uh, for the crisis that is happening in our nation and our world. Um, but we know that it doesn't have to be a national day of prayer for us to lift up our concerns to the Lord together. And so let's let's do that as we uh, turn our attention now to God and his word. I want to read one passage for you. 
As we do that, it's from Isaiah chapter 41, and it's verse 10. It says, Do not fear, for I am with you. Do not be dismayed, for I am your God. I will strengthen you and help you. I will uphold you with my righteous right hand. Lord God, I thank you that that in our times of trouble and our times of need, that you are with us, that we need not be afraid. We need not fear because of your presence with us, that you will strengthen us and help us through. Lord, on this day of uncertainty and on this day of uh, that many of us are uh, perhaps scared of what is going on in the world around us, Lord, help us to keep our focus on you. And help us to know, Lord, that you are with us. That no matter what danger we may face, no matter what troubles or hardships may be on the road ahead, that you are with us each step of the way. Lord, we do pray this day, especially for uh, this this coronavirus uh, pandemic and the crisis that is unfolding around us and that seems to be changing from hour to hour. Lord, we ask for wisdom and guidance for all those who are uh, who are on the front lines of this uh, pandemic. We pray for the Center of Disease Control, as well as the World Health Organization, Lord, uh, and all those who are affiliated with those groups for wisdom and guidance and making good, sound, and wise decisions. We pray, Lord, for doctors and nurses and hospital staffs who are treating those who are, um, uh, Lord, uh, affected by this virus. We ask for strength and patience and energy for them, Lord, um, that are dealing with so much uh, on a very different level than they are used to. We pray for our national, state, and local leaders as well for wisdom and guidance, um, Lord, in making decisions. Uh, Lord, we pray uh, also for our schools, administration, teachers, and students uh, that are going to be navigating these next few weeks in in an unprecedented and mandatory spring break. And Lord, we of course pray for those that are affected by the virus. We pray especially for those that are most susceptible, the elderly, those with pre-existing conditions and and autoimmune deficiencies. Um, Lord, we pray for safety. We pray for health. And we pray, Lord, also for for all of us as as a community, as a world, to take the the good and necessary practical steps to help prevent the further spread of this virus. And Lord, we also pray for the church. We ask not just for First Church, but also for the body of Christ worldwide to be the light of Christ at a time like this. Lord, help us to speak hope and to speak words of comfort and love to those that are that are uh, afraid, uh, those that are affected and ill and those that are in positions of authority to make decisions. Lord, let the church be the light of Christ and let us make a, a positive impact Lord, for your kingdom in a time that the world desperately needs to hear hope and, and be able to be um, hold on to something, uh, Lord, that, that can give them strength. Uh, we pray for all these things in the name of Christ who taught us to pray, saying, Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, the power, and the glory forever. Amen. This time I invite you to stand and sing with us number 210, Jesus Paid It All.
As Brian mentioned at the start of our service, we're going to do things a little differently today for our offering. Uh, for those that would like to give towards uh, the Barnabas ministry this morning, uh, the offering is going to be collected at, uh, at the doors on your way out of the service this morning. Uh, so uh, at the close of the service, the deacons will head to the doors and, and be there and they'll have plates and uh, we encourage you to give that way. In addition to that, of course, you're always able to give online uh, for those that are here or, or um, listening in on the radio. That's an option as well. So um, just know that that's our plan here for this morning. And uh, we just hope you, you take advantage of that opportunity. Uh, so instead of having offering music, we have special music this morning from the choir. We're so grateful there for Eric and, and for the choir to be here this morning to provide that music for us.
shake some of those bugs off. <laughs> this morning's reading comes from Mark chapter 6, verses 45 through 56. Immediately, Jesus made his disciples get into the boat and go on ahead of him to Bethesda, which he, while he dismissed the crowd. After leaving them, he went up on a mountainside to pray. Later that night, the boat was in the middle of the lake, and he was alone on land. He saw the disciples straining at the oars because the wind was against them. Shortly before dawn, he went out to them, walking on the lake. He was about to pass by them, but when they saw him walking on the lake, they thought he was a ghost. They cried out because they all saw him and were terrified. Immediately he spoke to them and said, Take courage. It is I. Don't be afraid. Then he climbed into the boat with them, and the wind died down. They were completely amazed, for they had not understood about the loaves. Their hearts were hardened. When they had crossed over, they landed at Gennesaret and anchored there. As soon as they got out of the boat, people recognized Jesus. They ran throughout that whole region and carried the sick on mats to wherever they heard he was. And wherever he went, into villages, towns, or countryside, they placed the sick in the marketplaces. They begged him to let them touch even the edge of his cloak, and all who touched it were healed. You may be seated. Father, once again, we humbly come before you and ask for you to guide us as we open your word together. I pray especially this day that you would uh, help us to uh, look to your word and find words of of comfort and strength uh, for a time such as this. I pray, Spirit, you would guide me and give me words to speak and that you'd open up all of our hearts and minds to what you have to say to us this day. We pray this in Christ's name. Amen. A couple months ago, uh, I set the sermon schedule up for Lent. We had this reading plan and uh, to go through the Gospel of Mark together that I shared with you. And I looked at each week's scripture readings and selected a text from which to preach, you know, based on what we were reading together from the Gospel of Mark. The passage that I picked for the, today is a very familiar one, but one that I had never preached on before, which is why I, I gravitated towards it. Little did I know how relevant the passage would be for today's situation. The story of Jesus walking on water is the story of Jesus overcoming the fear that his disciples were experiencing. You see, they were in a boat in the middle of a fierce wind. They struggled just to make any sort of progress and are overcome with fear at the sight of Jesus walking on water. In fact, they think he's a ghost. Yet it's in that moment as Jesus reassures The disciples, through his presence and through his word, the disciples transition from fear to amazement, and both their hearts and the winds calm down. Church, I believe that we're in the middle of a storm. None of us could have predicted the changes that have taken place over the last few days. You know, how could I have known that the coronavirus outbreak would turn into a global pandemic? You know, how could we have known that schools and sporting leagues, among other things, would close their doors? You know, it's impossible to have known that. And yet we find ourselves reading a passage about Jesus walking, on, walking into the midst of a storm to reassure his disciples. God is good, and I believe that we are studying this passage today for a reason. And so my prayer for you this morning, whether you're here with us in the sanctuary or whether you're listening in on the ser- to the service on the radio, is this, that Jesus would walk in, in the midst of this storm and bring you hope and bring you peace. 
As we look at this passage together this morning, I want us to look at it from two different perspectives. Right? First, we have the perspective of the disciples. They were the ones in the middle of the storm battling that fierce wind and overcome with fear. And then we'll look at how Jesus responds. He is not ignorant or naive of their fears and struggles. He walks right out into the middle of the fierce wind in order to be with them. Notice first that Jesus sent his disciples out on the boat. He told them to go ahead while he stayed back on shore. The New International Version that many of us read from and that that we read from here in church says that he made them go. But the sense of the word is much stronger than that. In the original Greek, it could be understood as, as Jesus compelled them or forced them to go. It seems kind of strange, doesn't it? Why, would G, why was Jesus so adamant that his disciples crossed the lake ahead of him? And then while they were in the middle of the water, a storm came, wind so fierce that the disciples had to labor at the oars just to make any sort of meager progress. Is that why Jesus sent them out? See, there are times in life when we find ourselves in the middle of a storm. Life is chaotic and you don't know where to turn and you're struggling just to get by. Again, think of how much life has changed over the last few days. Life as we know it, or at least for the next few weeks, is we have a new normal. Maybe for you, the coronavirus is just the latest thing to turn your life upside down. The storms of life come in all sorts of shapes and sizes and they do not discriminate. Sometimes the trouble we find ourselves in is of our own making, right? It's a dangerous thing to make a bad decision and then ask yourself, why did God do this to me? No, you did that to you, right? God may still teach you something in that moment, but you're the one who made your own bed and you have to sleep in it. And there are times, though, that God does lead us into difficult waters. There are times when God allows us to experience hardship. And sometimes being in the center of a storm is being in the center of God's will. The bottom line is this. Just, just because you find yourself in a difficult situation, just because you find yourself facing hard times, does not mean that you're outside of God's will. Trouble, pain, hardship, inconvenience, they're all part of life, and especially part of a life devoted to following Jesus. And that is where the, the prosperity gospel gets it so wrong. You've heard people talk about how It is God's will for you to be healthy and wealthy. If you're sick and you're poor, then you must have done something to deserve it. Your faith wasn't big enough. But that's not the true gospel, right? That is a lie. The gospel of Jesus Christ is this. In John 16, 33, In this world you will have trouble, but fear not, for I have overcome the world. Right? That's the message that Jesus has for us in his word. No, I'm not saying that the coronavirus is God's doing. Certainly not. I've seen some people speculating on social media that this is uh, one of the judgments described in the book of Revelation. And I don't believe that's the case, and here's why. I believe that when the events described in the book of Revelation take place, it will be abundantly clear that God is the, the source of that judgment. Right? And I don't believe that's the case here. The coronavirus, however, is yet another example of a world broken by sin, right? Creation itself is affected by the fall and disease and death are evidence that we live in a sin infected world, right? Natural disasters, disease, even something like this are all evidence that the world creation itself is broken in need of redemption, Now, the disciples find themselves fighting against the fierce wind in the middle of the night. 
And this is not the first time they've found themselves in a situation like this, though. Back in chapter 4, Mark describes a similar event. The disciples this time with Jesus in the boat also found themselves in the middle of a violent storm. They cried out to Jesus. He woke up and rebuked the winds and the waves and the sea calmed down. End of story. Everyone's happy. There's one minor problem this time around, though. Jesus isn't with them, right? They're in the boat by themselves, struggling at the oars. And Jesus is up on a mountain somewhere in a prayer retreat. He's not with them. He's seemingly unaware of their predicament. And so it's natural for them to ask themselves, who, who's going to save them this time? Did Jesus forget about them? That's a common fear, isn't it? The fear that God is somehow unaware of our trouble, that he has forgotten us. Have you ever felt that way? I know that I have at times. And you know who else has felt that way? King David. Right, A man after God's own heart had, at times had felt like God himself, had, that he'd been abandoned by God. Look at Psalm 13. It's a short one, so I'm going to read it in its entirety for you. It says, How long, Lord, will you forget me forever? How long will you hide your face from me? How long must I wrestle with my thoughts and day after day have sorrow in my heart? How long will my enemy triumph over me? Look on me and answer, Lord my God. Give light to my eyes or I will sleep in death. And my enemy will say, I have overcome him. And my foes will rejoice when I fall. But I trust in your unfailing love. My heart rejoices in your salvation. I will sing the Lord's praise for he has been good to me. It's a common feeling, especially in the midst of trouble and fear. But notice what the psalmist says at the end. He doesn't end the psalm in fear and hopelessness. No, in the end, he turns his attention to God. He intentionally decides that in spite of fear, in spite of the fact he feels forgotten, he's going to still praise God. And I believe that's extremely important at times like this. Let us not forget the importance of praising God and the joy that comes through worship. Churches, along with countless other organizations, had to make some pretty tough decisions this week. We had to make decisions about Sunday school, about wonderful Wednesdays, and even whether or not to have worship itself. Many other churches decided to cancel, and I completely support, I'm completely supportive and understanding of that decision. The reason I felt it was important for First Church to remain open was primarily for our radio ministry. We're uniquely positioned to reach not only our own members, but also people who decided to stay home and other churches who had canceled services. (coughs) Excuse me. (coughs) Pardon me. It's important for God's people to continue to worship together, especially in times of crisis. In the face of fear and panic, let's praise God's name together. We'll continue to reevaluate the situation each week, as I mentioned earlier. If the crisis worsens and we think it's in the best interest of our church to cancel our regular worship services, that's what we're prepared to do. But even if that's the case, right, I'm willing to still put something out on the radio, even if it's just me preaching to an empty room and Sharon or whoever providing some music for us. 
no matter what happens over the next few weeks, we will worship together. We'll have to make some changes. It'll be different at times. And we do that all out of an abundance of love and concern for our family. But we will worship together either in person or over the radio. You see, fear can mess with you. It can cause a person to think and do all sorts of things that they would never do under normal circumstances. Sometimes our response to fear is is rational and it can provide some real benefit. Fear in and of itself is not a bad thing. It is part of how God created us to learn from our environment. Right? The fear of pain protects us and keeps us safe. If I touch a hot stove and burn myself, right, the fear of that happening again keeps me from putting myself in danger. Right? Fear can be helpful and good. And it and it can help us to uh, and it can cause us, excuse me, to, ration, to act rationally in response to it. Look at what the disciples did. The boat was heading straight into a fierce wind, and the disciples worked hard just to keep the boat going in the right direction. The disciples faced a real problem, right, the wind, and they responded the best way that they knew how. In the face of this pandemic, it's important for us to take necessary precautions, It would have been foolish for the disciples to sit back in the boat and allow the wind to blow them back. They would have never reached the other side and perhaps been in fear of capsizing. It's the boat capsizing. In the same way, it's important that we take whatever necessary precautions that we can. I encourage everyone to follow the guidelines put out by the Center for Disease Control and the World Health Organizations to practice best hygiene, or excuse me, basic hygiene, avoid unnecessary physical contact, Right, keep about six feet between you and others when possible. Even learn a new term this week, social distancing. Wash your hands often, although I've heard that's a good idea even without a global pandemic. People, come on, right? I saw a couple people, dif- couple different people suggesting that you pray while you wash your hands. The recommended amount of time that you should wash your hands is about the same amount of time it takes to recite the Lord's Prayer. Pray for those that are affected by the coronavirus. Pray for the healthcare staff and doctor's offices and hospitals around the world. Pray for those that are on the front lines of this crisis and pray for wisdom for the national, state, and local levels. Pray for schools and students as they try to navigate what to do over the next few weeks. It's not a bad use of your time, if you ask me. It's also good to make sure that you and your family have enough essential supplies to last for a couple of weeks. Now, let me be clear. You can buy some toilet paper. Don't buy all the toilet paper, right? It's good to prepare for trouble, but we don't want to overcome, be overcome with worry and panic. We should aim for the middle ground between ignoring the reality of our situation and giving ourselves over to chaos and panic. Whatever trouble you face, the most important thing to do is simply do the next right thing. You may not know the solution to all your problems, but you know the steps that you can take to make a difference. And it's easy to get lost in the fear and panic right now, but think of the opportunity that we have as Christians to be the light of Christ. There are so many people who are in need and so many people, unfortunately, who are trying to take advantage of them. I heard last night about a couple in Vancouver, Canada, who have made an estimated profit of over $100,000 this past week by buying up all the, 
by buying up all the cleaning supplies and toilet paper from multiple Costco's and selling them on the internet for massive profit. Don't be like that, right? Don't take advantage of people and their fear. Instead, we need to help people in their time of need. Proverbs 3.27 says, Do not withhold good from those who are for those to whom it is due when it is in your power to act. If we're able to help someone in need, you have a responsibility to do so. That's what God's people have always been known for, caring for the poor, the sick, and the needy. When a plague struck the Roman Empire in the middle of the 3rd century A.D., it was estimated that around 5,000 people died in the city of Rome every day at the peak of that pandemic. According to the article, What the Early Church Could Teach Us About the Coronavirus, it says, Non-Christian accounts confirm this sentiment. A century later, the Emperor Julian attempted to curb the growth of Christianity after the plague by leading a campaign to establish pagan charities that mirrored the work of Christians in his realm. In an AD 362 letter, Julian complained that the Hellenists needed to match the Christians in virtue, blaming the recent growth of Christianity on, quote, their benevolence to strangers, their care for the graves of the dead, and their pretended holiness in their lives. For it is a disgrace that the impious Christians support not only their own poor, but ours as well. Right? What an amazing thing to be known for in a time of trouble, to be caring for people, even those you don't know. How will people think of Christians after this crisis is through? I want to be known for being kind to strangers, for caring for people, even those that, that are, are beyond our, our normal sphere of influence. I was blessed to serve alongside some of you, both youth and adults, that packed food bags for Agape yesterday morning. What a way to bless children who otherwise would be missing out on school lunches for the next three weeks. Maybe you can provide a meal for an elderly neighbor or a family with young kids who suddenly have to scramble for childcare. You can go grocery shopping for a friend who has decided to self-quarantine and is running low on the essentials. A phone call and friendly conversation can go a long way. We may be isolated a lot over the next few weeks, and the enemy would like nothing more than to discourage us and to make us feel alone. And a phone call and friendly conversation can combat the loneliness and anxiety. Church, we have an opportunity to let our light shine so that others may see and glorify, see that light and glorify our Father who is in heaven. Let's not miss that chance. So far, we have talked about the rational response to fear, the good things that can be done in the face of crisis. We also have an example here of spiritual response to fear. When the disciples see Jesus walking across the water, they think he's a ghost and they cry out in fear. I call this a spiritual response because the disciples' fear prevented them from seeing Jesus for who he was. They didn't see their Lord and Savior walking on the water. They didn't even see their friend. They saw a ghost. There are times in our lives when the circumstances will distract us from seeing Jesus for who he is. Trouble, grief, pain, panic, all anxiety, all seem too much to bear and, and we don't recognize his presence in the middle of the storm. In those moments, we need to, as the author of Hebrews says, fix our eyes on Jesus, the pioneer and perfecter of our faith. There are times when we don't see Jesus because our hearts are hard. That's what Mark points out in verse 52. Hardness of heart is a lack of spiritual perceptivity, a failure to see how God is working through Jesus. Jesus had just fed 5,000 people with practically nothing. He had calmed a storm before, 
And yet they still didn't get it. The disciples were oblivious to who Jesus was and what he was, what he was doing. Now, don't fool yourself and think you would have done any better than them, because you wouldn't have, and neither would I. See, hard hearts are a problem that we can't fix ourselves. It requires an act of grace. Speaking through the prophet Ezekiel, the Lord says, I will give you a new heart and a new spirit in you. I will remove from you the heart of stone and give you a heart of flesh. That's why we need Jesus. Only he can perform the kind of heart surgery that we really need. That then brings us to Jesus, the second perspective we find in the story, and by far the most important. Jesus' response to his disciples is ultimately what rescues them and brings us hope. He responds in three ways. He sees them in their trouble, he goes to them, and he strengthens them by his word and his presence. First, he sees them in their trouble. Remember how it seemed that the disciples were all alone in the middle of the storm, that they were struggling with no one to help. In Mark 6:48 it says that Jesus saw them struggling. He saw them straining at their oars. They were not alone. Jesus was fully aware of the problems that they faced. Remember that whatever problem you face, God is aware of it. He sees you struggling at the oars. Don't give in to the temptation that to think that he doesn't care for you or is unaware of what's going on. But take comfort in knowing that in Christ Whatever trouble or hardship you face, you belong to your Father who is in heaven. All right, what is your only comfort in life and in death? That I am not my own, but I belong, body and soul, in life and in death to my faithful Savior, Jesus Christ. He has fully paid for all my sins with His precious blood. He has set me free from the tyranny of the devil, and He also watches over me in such a way that not a hair can fall from my head without the will of my Father in heaven. In fact, all things must work together for my salvation. Because I belong to him, Christ, by his Holy Spirit, assures me of eternal life and makes me wholeheartedly willing and ready from now on to live for him. That is the comfort. That is the hope we have. Jesus sees us in our time of need and he responds. Second, Jesus goes to them. He sees them in their trouble and he responds by walking on the water out to the boat. The miracle itself gets most of the attention in the story, but I think it's just a means to an end. Jesus miraculously walked on water in order to demonstrate two things. First, his power as creator and sustainer of all creation. And then that this creator and sustainer of all creation was willingly enter, was willing to enter into the mess in order to rescue them. Notice that Jesus meets them in their trouble. In fact, he climbs right in the boat with them. He doesn't pull them out of the storm. He doesn't instantly transport them to the shore, but he climbs in the boat. When I, first, when I face hard time, my first instinct in prayer is to ask God to remove me from the situation. Right, it's difficult and uncomfortable, and I would rather just not deal with it. But that's not what Jesus does. Instead of removing us from the situation, he walks with us through it. He joins us in our suffering, our fear, and our doubt, and he redeems it. James 1, 2-4 says, Consider it pure joy, my brothers and sisters, whenever you face many trials of many kinds. 
Because you know that the testing of your faith produces perseverance. Let perseverance finish its work in you that you may be mature and complete, not lacking anything. How is it possible to find joy in our trials? We can find joy in our trials when we realize that Jesus is there with you. When Jesus is with us and that he didn't turn away, he chose to climb in the boat with you. Third, Jesus strengthens the disciples by his presence and by his word. Jesus offers words of comfort as he approaches them in the boat. He says, take courage. It is I. Don't be afraid. These three phrases are echoed throughout Scripture. Do not fear is one of the most common commands in all of Scripture. Take courage is the same phrase that Jesus uses in John 14.1. He tells the disciples, do not let your hearts be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. It is I could also be translated I am, the name that God reveals to Moses in Exodus chapter 3 verse 14. The one who is walking on the water is also the God who spoke to Moses out of the burning bush. See, it wasn't until he spoke to them and he climbed in the boat that they realized who he was and their fear subsided. Notice, too, that he spoke to their hearts before he spoke to the storm. As I mentioned before, excuse me, as I mentioned before, my prayer is often for God to deal with the circumstances to calm the storm, to take, <coughs> excuse me, to take care of that first, and then my heart will be calm. But Jesus works the other way around. He speaks words of comfort and strength first to the disciples' heart, and he addresses their fear and anxiety while the storm and wind is still raging. That's what the peace of God looks like. Peace in the middle of the storm and strength to endure. Peace that can only be possible because of the promise that God is with us even in the most difficult moments of life. Why else do you think people so often turn to Psalm 23 in times of need? The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside still waters and he restores my soul. He guides me along paths of righteousness for his name's sake. That even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil and my cup overflows. Surely your goodness and your love will follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. And I don't know what these next few weeks are going to bring. But the one thing I do know is that God sees us in our trouble. He meets us in our time of need, and he comforts us through his presence and through his word. We can and should respond wisely in times of crisis, but we must never forget that our ultimate hope is in the one who walks on water. And so I encourage you today to let your faith in him triumph over your fear. Let's pray together. Lord God, I, I thank you for your word, which is a source of strength and comfort for us, especially in uncertain times. Lord, help us to be wise people and take the necessary steps we need over the next days and weeks, Lord, to keep us and our families and our communities safe. And Lord, also, just as important, help us to keep our eyes on you. 
Help us to see you here in the presence of our trouble. And help us to find strength to overcome our fear by looking to you. And Lord, may we be a a light in a dark place. May we be the hands and feet of Christ to a world that desperately needs it at this time. We pray this in Christ's name. Amen. Let's stand and together let's sing our closing hymn, number 105, He is Lord. Just a reminder for those that are here in the sanctuary with us this morning that our offering will be collected at the doors on your way out if you uh, choose to um, give this morning. Uh, Deacons are posted at the doors of the offering plates and I encourage you to give in that way. Once again, if there's anyone who is in need or has questions, please reach out to us at the church office. We'd be glad to help you and talk with you with anything that may come up over the next couple weeks. We're, We're certainly here for you. We encourage you to be the light of Christ in this difficult time. May the Lord make his face shine upon you and be gracious to you. May the Lord turn his face toward you and give you peace at this time. You may go in peace. Amen.